informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Hey, great to have you with us here today for Agriculture of America, AOA. Thanks for joining the show. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, and today's program brought to you by our friends at Cenex. Cenex Premium Diesel, everyday products powered locally. That's Cenex. You can find their nearest location to you online at Cenex.com. On the way here on today's program, we've got a great show lined up. We're going to get an update from World Dairy Expo with Missouri farmer Alex Peterson here in just a second. Coming up in segment two, it's the October episode of the Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We're going to continue the topic of sustainable aviation fuel and more coming up here in segment two today. In segment three, we'll have a conversation with Senate Ag Republicans economist John Newton. He'll join the program coming up here after the bottom of the hour. Uh, we'll talk farm bill and where things stand and some of the things that he is uh, helping uh, the Senate Ag Republicans look for uh, in that farm bill. We're going to talk about that coming up here in segment three today. And then in segment four, we're going to talk with Wisconsin Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin. She will join us for a conversation, a few new pieces of legislation she has introduced. She's also been at the forefront of the uh, rail service issues and an update on that with a proposed rule from the Surface Transportation Board. We're going to discuss that and more more coming up at the end of the program today. First up, though, World Dairy Expo is ongoing in Madison, Wisconsin, and here to give us an update and talk about some things going on at the show and more broadly in the dairy industry. Missouri farmer Alex Peterson is with us here today on AOA. Alex, thanks so much for the time. How are things uh, going up there at World Dairy Expo so far? Glad to be with you, Jesse. Yeah, things are rocking and rolling here at uh, World Dairy Expo. Uh, aside from good weather, there's a good turnout of farmers to, to visit with and and uh, maintain old relationships, start new ones, and keep this industry uh, chugging forward. Well, Alex, uh, tell us a little bit about your role there at uh, World Dairy Expo this week. You mentioned uh, kind of keeping the industry chugging forward and having some great conversations and more. Is that kind of your role there at the uh, World Dairy Expo this week? So hanging out at the Dairy Management Inc. booth, uh, talking to farmers about how their checkoff dollars are being invested to help bring dairy to life. Uh, near and far, and I have the pleasure of being the chairman of the U.S. Dairy Export Council. So as farmers, just like anybody else, kind of have expertise, and that's what I've been able to focus some time and effort on. So having deep conversations with farmers uh, to help them understand where we have been focusing as U.S. Dairy Export Council as a part of their checkoff program. Fantastic. Well, I know exports and trade are an important part of U.S. agriculture. Dairy is no different. I know you've been on various trade missions, and you talk about some of the different strategies being implemented lately to open new markets for U.S. dairy products, how the checkoff plays a role in this, and much more, Alex. Alex, are you still with us there? Are you there, Jesse? Yep. Are you still with us? I think we got you back. Maybe we lost you. Alex, you still there? All right. We're trying to establish connection uh, once again. Uh, we're talking with Alex Peterson uh, live at the World Dairy Expo. 
in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, Missouri farmer there, chair of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, and uh, we'll see if we can get Alex reconnected. Alex, you back with us. All right. Well, technical difficulties there live on location at World Dairy Expo, and uh, we'll see if we can uh, get him back on the line. Our producer, Paul, in the studio is going to work on that here again. And I, I was just getting ready to ask Alex about exports and trade and how that's an important part of uh, agriculture here in the U.S. And uh, of course, with uh, dairy, that's uh, it's uh, such a big thing as well. Finding some of those new export markets uh, and continuing those relationships, as he alluded to, uh, for dairy uh, here uh, across, you know, for all of our U.S. producers, such a big key and uh, the dairy checkoff programs uh, really as a whole help out in a lot of that as well. So uh, hopefully we'll get Alex back here before we end this segment and um, watching a lot of things going on in uh, Washington, D.C. as well. And, uh, of course, farm bill talk is a big thing there, and I know dairy is a big part of that as well. All right, I just uh, got a note here. I think we have Alex back with us. Alex, you back with us? Yeah, back with you. Sorry about that. Uh, technical difficulties sometimes happen. Uh, let's pick it up. Uh, exports and trade. I know uh, you've been on a lot of trade missions recently. Can you talk about uh, some of the different strategies being implemented to open new markets for U.S. dairy products? Absolutely. So some themes uh, run true no matter where you are, and that's making people aware of your product, giving them good experiences with your product, and providing good customer service all along the chain. And that's what USDEC enables and helps uh, its membership do. Aside from meeting with those government officials uh, for a two-way street, I mean, they want quality, reliable food products uh, to nourish their people, of which U.S. dairy is. Uh, got the gold standard. Uh, and then what we need in return is cooperation as we uh, try to navigate our products uh, through what sometimes is a, a prickly trade process, but one that we mm -hmm. continue to get better at keeping uh, the wheels greased and making sure that we understand what's expected and what documents need to be, put, uh, need to be made and, and maintained and having those technical experts in market uh, to handle issues when, when they arise so they get resolved quickly and product continues to flow. And uh, we continue to get uh, better and better at, at that process. Alex, how important is the dairy checkoff to many of uh, these strategies you were talking about? Uh, very. So uh, dairy checkoff is the, is the primary funder of U.S. Dairy Export Council, which uh, whether it's, uh, if it's not us doing that work, uh, then invariably what would happen is all of these processors, all these co-ops that are looking to export to, to grow opportunities would be investing uh, duplicatively in all of these efforts, doing the research, having building relationships, relationships in market, as well as uh, navigating uh, the tape that it takes to get through. And so when we can bring that all under one house and have farmers only pay for it once in a very economical way uh, with kind of economies of scale, that provides a great service to the whole industry. Well, Alex, uh, before we run out of time, should ask you as well, how are things on your home farm in uh, Missouri looking right now, whether it be uh, the dairy operation or uh, anything else going on around the farm? Oh, it's a, uh, it's a roller coaster year, kind of like every, every year we were, we were perfectly wet and then we got incred incredibly dry and back and forth again. 
but we also added the next generation into the farm this year, which that gives everybody a, a bump of, of excitement and, and hope mm-hmm. for the future. So we're, so we're riding high, which is, which is great, great to be living in. That is a great, great thing for sure. And again, World Dairy Expo going on right now. And uh, we do appreciate the time. Uh, Alex Peterson, Missouri Farmer with U.S. Dairy Export Council. Thank you for joining us here on AOA today and uh, have a a great time there at the World Dairy Expo. And uh, we'll get you back on the program again soon. And we'll make up for uh, a little bit of the uh, technical glitch there. and We'll talk more in the future. Thanks so much. Great to be with you, Jesse. And again, Alex Peterson joining us from World Dairy Expo. All right, coming up next, it's the October episode of the Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We will talk with Sarah McKay and Lindsay Bowers up next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. When people look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan, and it deserves trait protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-926-1701. 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whenever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look, listen, live. For more info, go to oli.org. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and a feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve, 
Together, we can make a difference, bite by bite. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Everyday products powered locally. That's Cenex, and you can find more online at Cenex.com. It's time now for the October episode of the Monthly Grind with the National Corn Growers Association. We're continuing our discussion this month around sustainable aviation fuel. Joining us, first up, Sarah McKay with the National Corn Growers Association. Sarah, it's always great to have you on the Monthly Grind. I hope you're doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And also joining us here on the program this month, we have Lindsay Bowers is with us. Lindsay, thanks so much for joining us here on the Monthly Grind on AOA. I think Lindsay is there with us. Maybe we'll work to get uh, connected there in just a second. Sarah, I'll uh, throw it back over to you just to start here. Uh, let's recap. I know we had a conversation last month about sustainable aviation fuel. Can you just kind of recap part of that discussion for us to help set up our discussion today? Sure thing. So when we talk about SAS, that's sustainable aviation fuel, that is essentially jet fuel that is made from renewable resources from NCGA's um, perspective, we are really passionate about the corn ethanol to jet pathway. There's a bunch of different pathways that you can utilize to get to sustainable aviation fuel from, um, you know, the oil side, that's where soy is really um, taking advantage of those opportunities, but there's also um, other pathways that can utilize methanol or, um, you know, different opportunities from um, synthesizing uh, waste and then uh, obviously the alcohol to jet pathway, which we are most excited about from a corn ethanol perspective. Um, and why are we so excited? It's because, you know, if you look at commercial jet fuel use, the, the projected um, use through 2050 is expected to grow um, annually 3.7% between now and 2050. So that is a huge growth opportunity. And as we look at all these different airlines uh, making commitments as well as the SAS brand challenge that the administration um, has put out, this is a prime opportunity for corn producers to take advantage um, as one of our many different demand um, opportunities. Well, and I know as well, it's uh, with any new market opportunity, is it takes a lot of cross collaboration across government, private sector, and making sure everyone's kind of together. And uh, you know, yeah, I know last month's SAF summit was a big uh, talking point for NCGA and looking at everything going on with sustainable aviation fuel and kind of getting this across the finish line and the, the work of the market development action team has, has been huge in this, has it, Sarah? Yeah, we've worked really closely with um, USDA and DOE, um, as well as, you know, policymakers to make sure that uh, the tax credits that are, that are available are available to um, help promote corn ethanol to be used for, for these processes. And in particular, we're really promoting uh, the adoption of the GREAT model as the carbon accounting uh, method to help bring these um, bring these technologies and, and bring these opportunities closer to to the marketplace. And you know we've worked not only on the policy side, but we've also really worked um, passionately with the airlines themselves. We have great relationships established um, that we are inviting them out for farm tours, helping them kind of understand. What's going on on the farm, the difference between utilizing corn stover and the cellulosic pathway, 
in the more commercially available um, corn ethanol to, to alcohol to jet pathway that uh, we see, see more the opportunity in. So we are uh, very working very aggressively in this space, and it's something that um, we're trying to position corn in a way that they can that our producers can succeed. Well, uh, Sarah, I know we're uh, getting Lindsay connected here on the phone, so we'll get uh, perspective uh, from Lindsay in just a second. Uh, as we continue on, uh, I want to ask about policy priorities and talk about some of the recent uh, legislative activities that NCGA is monitoring, because there is a lot going on surrounding sustainable aviation fuel right now. Sure thing. So the FAS Grand Challenge, uh, which was released by the Biden administration back in 2021 and, and really led by Department of Energy, Department of Transportation, and USDA, um, set this initial goal of supplying 3 billion gallons of FAF uh, per year by 2030, and then um, additional, you know, 35 billion gallons by 2050, so to meet, you know, all, uh, sorry, all aviation fuel demand. And as we look at trying to meet those goals, there's been different legislation uh, passed to, um, create tax credits and incentives to, to help get these cleaner fuels to the marketplace. Where we are really working hard is trying to actually get, make sure that Treasury, you know, uh, adopts the carbon measurement uh, through the GREAT model so that ethanol can qualify for those tax credits. Fantastic. All right. I know, yeah, I, I know we have Lindsay in here now, Sarah, so I want to bring Lindsay into the conversation. And uh, Lindsay, sorry about the technical difficulties there. Glad to uh, get you into the monthly grind with us and uh, give us some of your perspective on sustainable aviation fuel and uh, everything that NCGA is is doing in regards to SAF. And give us some of your perspective on, on how things how things are looking right now to start. Well, um, I, so I'm involved with NCGA from the action team perspective, as well as I'm a green merchandiser here in South Texas, and as well as a farmer. So I get to view it from many different points of view. Um, and I'm going to tell you that from farmer and merchandiser point of view, um, this market development is, is huge and significantly impactful for what it can mean for, for agriculture. Um, so getting it to the point where it's consistently and reliably used, um, it's a game changer. Well, I would think, you know, the ethanol to jet, uh, that's a, that's a big thing that we're talking about here. And just, it feels like a, it feels like a boom kind of like ethanol was, you know, how many years ago, it feels like round two here and the potential for corn to be involved is, is so huge, isn't it, Lindsay? Yes, sir. Um, you know, just as we continue to fight for market shares across the world, um, we and as we continue to be more and more efficient with production, we uh, need to continue to just grow different markets and look for different uses as well. So I think that um, this is important. Sarah, let's bring it back to you uh, and to you know, Lindsay's point, you know, bringing in some of her perspective. Uh, bring it back to you. I mean, just overall looking at sustainable aviation fuel and the growth it's it almost seems like week to week month to month there's something new happening when it comes to saf yeah and that's you know a lot of what we've been discussing here at the sustainable um, aviation fuels our futures conference here in houston texas uh, this has been a week-long event it's an international event with over 400 participants but really with a, a domestic focus here in north america this year, um, but we've, that's exactly the you know what we've been discussing is a lot of the opportunities and what 
um, technology providers as well as airlines need uh, to help communicate the value in, um, of SAS, but also help get these technologies scaled up. And one of the things we keep hearing over and over is you know, around the sustainability of the feedstock. So that's where we're really working hard to communicate the sustainability of corn and grain produced in the U.S. and um, looking at different opportunities, whether it's renewable hydrogen that could be used for um, you know, uh, a more sustainable nitrogen, et cetera, to help lower our CI score, or just even communicating the great practices that are going on um, on the farm right now. That's a lot that we've talked about during our, our panel on Monday that we hosted. Um, and also what we continue to, to communicate in our conversations while we're here at the conference. And I, I know, Lindsay, as well, I know you were uh, going to try to make it to the conference. You weren't able to. But to, to Sarah's point, a lot of great conversations being had. And from your perspective as a, as a grain merchandiser, I have to think as well that uh, this is just going to create great value for our corn farmers uh, in, in that aspect, isn't it? Yes, sir. So anytime that we have an added a value added um, products, it's it's just it's impactful for agriculture and for farmers, right? They're especially with the increased input cost, um, we're meeting additional demand. Mhm, mhm. Sarah, uh, final thoughts before we run out of time here today uh, and uh, wrap up this month's episode of the monthly grind. Uh, Anything else you want to share about the sustainable aviation fuel conversation? You know, it's something that is obviously um, an opportunity we're watching closely, but it's, it's one of the many different ways that we are working to, to increase uh, corn grind and, and really increase more opportunities for our corn producers. Um, you know, this is just one of the, the many new uses that we're pursuing in, additional, in addition to our existing markets and helping them, them grow as well. Where can folks learn more if they have questions uh, about sustainable aviation fuel and uh, NCGA's role? Yep, they can hop on our website at ncga.com. We're going to have a dedicated tab specific to a lot of the work that we have on sustainable aviation fuel in the space. We've got great reports out. We've got lots of articles, press releases, and lots of data available. If there's any questions, um, they can always reach out to me as well. Fantastic. Well, we do appreciate the time on the October edition of the Monthly Grind with the National Corn Growers Association. Sarah McKay, Lindsay Bowers, thank you both for joining us here on this month's program. Thank you. And again, the October episode of the Monthly Grind here on AOA. Coming up next here on AOA, brought to you by Cenex, Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil. We'll talk with John Newton, economist for the Senate Ag Committee on the Republican side. We'll talk to him coming up next here on AOA, Agriculture of America. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge, but with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. 
Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to AOA for the American Egg Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grains and soy products are down this morning. Wheat is down hard. Livestock is mixed, but mostly lower as well. Crude oil prices fell to fresh three-week lows this morning following the release of the jobs data suggesting a slowing economy that combined with headlines suggesting rising supplies. Industry chatter suggests that Russia may be close to easing export restrictions on diesel products, while Turkey suggests that one of the key pipelines may be operational later this week. That's adding nearly 5,000 barrels per day to the supply of crude oil on the global market. Now, this represents some of the ebb and flow of market psychology, allowing for a pullback in prices following a strong run to 10 months highs. Grain and oilseed prices are similarly weak in early trade today. Corn prices turned back from the upper side of their recent trading range in chart-related and seasonal trade, whereas soybean and soy meal prices bounced very modestly following recent sharp losses. Wheat prices are notably lower after this week's short-covering rally lost momentum, and as Russia continues to sell record volumes of wheat at cheaper prices. Bloomberg has also reported that three Ukrainian ports on the Black Sea are again accepting vessels to carry egg products. Russia exited the Black Sea Grain Initiative, under which ships were allowed to sail the waterway without the threat of attack, and has said that vessels leaving Ukrainian ports are fair game. Ukraine, though, has set up a separate sailing corridor through which ships have passed in recent weeks. Ten ships have used the corridor so far. Poland and Lithuania have reached an agreement to speed movement of grain shipments out of Ukraine. All veterinary, sanitary, and phytosanitary control will move from the Ukraine-Poland border to a port in Lithuania, which will accelerate transit of agricultural products through Poland. The dollar is also pulled back today, but the overall strength of the dollar combined with economic fears amid high treasury yields continue to create headwinds for the commodities lacking a strong story. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And thanks for joining us here on AOA Today, Agriculture of America, brought to you by our friends at Cenex. And hey, Cenex has launched their hometown throwdown, a social first contest encouraging local pride by asking individuals and organizations to share what makes their hometown festival unique. Qualifying festivals have a chance to win up to $100,000 to 
bring the celebration to the next level. The hometown throwdown from Cenex uh, sounds like a really, really cool opportunity. Additional information can be found at CenexHometownThrowdown.com. And you can also find more information about uh, those everyday products that are powered locally in your nearest Cenex location online at Cenex.com. So a couple different ways you can get uh, connected there. Again, the hometown throwdown uh, powered by Cenex. And again, CenexHometownThrowdown.com. Well, here on AOA today, of course, we're uh, keeping up to date on everything that's going on in Washington, D.C., the farm bill, and uh, much, much more. There's a lot of news uh, happening in agriculture. Joining us now to give us some perspective from his side, we have John Newton with us. He is the economist for the uh, Senate Ag Republicans. And, uh, John, great to have you uh, with us on AOA today. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, John, uh, as I was mentioning uh, there, we got a lot going on in D.C. right now outside of uh, just everything with the, the potential of the government shutdown that happened and we averted it for 45 days. Uh, but we also uh, have the turmoil in the House and more. But on top of all of that, we're trying to figure out a farm bill right now. Uh, get us up to speed. The, the latest you're hearing uh, from folks there just to start before we dive into some of the stuff on the economic side. Uh, farm bill, we probably looking at a one-year extension at this point? Well, I think, you know, obviously the farm bill expired, uh, you know, last week on Saturday. And I think where we're at is, you know, staff continues to work. Uh, we're working closely with Stabenow's team. We work closely with GT's team. All four corners are working, uh, you know, collaboratively on a farm bill, trying to get it over the finish line. I think folks are looking at hopefully trying to get something done by the end of this year. But, but obviously, uh, things have changed in the house. The dynamic in the house has shifted. But at a staff level, we continue to work very hard. Senator Bozeman's been to 15 states to hear from producers about their priorities for this farm bill. So, again, we're doing our work as staff uh, to make sure that we get the job done on time. Let's talk about some of those priorities as well uh, from your point of view as an economist. Uh, I know crop insurance and the farm safety net have been uh, some of the key talking points here through this farm bill cycle. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I think everywhere that Senator Bozeman's been, you know, over the last year and a half, he's heard from producers. And, you know, what farmers have said is, look, production expenses were record high. Uh, inflation on the farm is is out of control. And if you look at the last four or five years, the amount of ad hoc support that the federal government has provided to agriculture tells you that the farm safety net is is out of date. Uh, it doesn't reflect modern needs in agriculture. And what Senator Bozeman's priority is, is we need to update the farm bill. Uh, we want to put the farm in the farm bill. And, and quite frankly, we want to make sure this farm bill provides the risk management tools that producers need. So that when they go to the bank, when they talk to their lender, their lender knows that they've got adequate tools in the toolbox to protect against adverse weather events or, or other unanticipated things that may adversely impact farm income. Well, John, you, know, you mentioned the uh, the cost of inputs and just uh, everything surrounding the, the balance sheet on the farm right now. And uh, no doubt, some of those conversations here at the end of this year, uh, there's, uh, there's going to be a lot of tough conversations, I think, across rural America with a lot of farmers, isn't there? Well, you know, certainly. And I think one of the biggest things that, that you know, we've been paying attention to, to now for six months, just look at you know, interest rates. The cost of mm -hmm. borrowing have gone through the roof. Uh, the average size USDA farm loan is is three hundred thirty thousand uh, dollars. To to service that loan now costs you close to twenty five thirty thousand dollars. 
Whereas a year ago, it was maybe nine or 10,000. And there are farmers that have you know, million dollar lines of credit, even higher than that. So the cost of borrowing is something that's definitely on, on the top of folks' mind. Uh, we've seen land values go for, for record amounts. I think in Missouri last week, we saw a piece of ground go for over $30,000 an acre. Uh, so, you know, production expenses are not coming down anytime soon. Labor expenses, machinery. Uh, while we've seen fertilizer prices come down somewhat in the last few months, we know that it's going to be an expensive crop to grow next year. And we also know, as your listeners know, because they see it every day, commodity prices are going down. And so mm. uh, that's not a good recipe. High input costs and declining commodity prices. It's interesting. You know, we, we think about $5 corn or close to it, $4.75 uh, corn. And then you think about $12 beans, you know. A few years ago, before the pandemic, John, I think a lot of folks would have been happy with some of those prices. But now, to your points, with the cost of in, you know, inputs and inflation and more, and then just recently seeing $7 corn and $14 beans, it, it, it can hurt a little bit when you look at that, isn't it? Well, it, it certainly can. And I think a lot of producers, you know, over the last year and a half took opportunities to, you know, market at some of those higher prices, and, and that may help them out. But you know, you're exactly right. When you see the input costs that you, you have going into next year, when you see the projections for where crop prices are, are going, uh, not only next year, but the year after that, it's it's concerning. Uh, and when you look out at the demand story today, you know, I, I don't think you see it like you saw it a couple years ago. China's not in the market the way they were. Uh, you know, you're going to have the second largest corn crop of all time. So there are some headwinds, uh, you know, from a marketing perspective in terms of where commodity prices uh, you know, may end up. The cattle business is doing great. The dairy business is slowly recovering. They had, you know, pretty low milk prices earlier this year. But, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of headwinds, a lot of uncertainty on where agriculture is two, three, four years down the line. And that's why we write farm bills. We write them for the bad times, not the good times. Do you see uh, issues trying to get things over the finish line here with the farm bill in terms of, I know on the, on the democratic side, a lot of the push for nutrition and some of the, you know, the snap benefits and more, and obviously keeping that tied together with, you know, the, the commodity programs in the farm bill is, is a push from the Senate Ag democratic side. Do you see that causing any making, making it a heavy lift, I should say, to get this over the finish line? Farm bills are always a, a heavy lift to get them over the finish line, right? I mean, there there are a lot of various interests, you know, in the farm bill. But what I will say is, historically, they've been very, very bipartisan. Yeah. Uh, you know, Senator Senator Stabenow has priorities in the farm bill. Senator Bozeman uh, has priorities in the farm bill. Our whole conference has priorities uh, in the farm bill, and that's where we all come together. You know, for for any of your listeners that have ever had the opportunity to sit in the ag committee hearing room. Uh, you know these senators sit shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow, finding a bipartisan path forward. So uh, they're difficult. Not everybody gets what they want. But at the end of the day, I think we all come together for what's best for uh, urban and rural America. We're talking with Chief Economist for Senate Ag Republicans. John Newton is with us here today on AOA. John, you know, it's not just... Uh, corn and soybean producers and cattle producers and hog producers but a lot of our, our specialty crop growers as well and and other commodities around the country cotton rice you name it i mean you know that's uh that's one of the things one of the beauties of our country is is all the different crops that we can grow here but also too uh, making sure everyone is covered and i know that's part of uh that that heavy lift that we just talked about 
That's right. We want a big tent. We want to make sure everybody's got a spot uh, in the tent. And when you talk about specialty crop producers, I think the number one thing we hear from them uh, is access to crop insurance. Crop insurance is easy to use, uh, reflects what's happening in their business. So I know that's a priority uh, in this farm bill. And, you know, we hear from all sizes of producers, farmers growing all different commodities. I think one thing Senator Bozeman wants to do is make sure this farm bill uh, makes them better off when we're done writing this farm bill than before. Well, because we think about it too, is that if we have an extension, you know, at least a year, I mean, that's, that's one thing, but if it would go further than that, for some reason, a, a lot of these reference prices and more, I mean, we're just, we're looking at things that are overall outdated for this current economic environment. I think that's the big summation here is that we just, we need an update to things at this point in time. You're exactly right. I mean, the, the data we use to establish the reference prices that are used in ARC and PLC uh, are based on 2012 cost of production information. So, you know, if we did a five-year extension of a farm bill, by the time we, we did a farm bill again, uh, that information's 15 plus years old. So mm -hmm. now now is exactly the time to do it. And I think, you know, a lot of folks think that we'd rather, you know, do a one-year extension than lock folks in uh, for, for five years at the current you know, farm bill. We can we can get this done. We can figure it out. Uh, we can find a bipartisan, bipartisan path forward. I'm certain of that. John, we have about 90 seconds here before we let you go. Uh, any final thoughts you would share that are on your mind as work continues uh, on the farm bill? Well, I'll tell you, you know, Senator Bozeman, again, he's been in 15 states. He's heard from producers. Uh, we've had farmers come through our door. You know, thousands of farmers talk to us about their priorities for this next farm bill. And that's what it takes. It takes agriculture coming together, all pushing in the same direction uh, to get this over the finish line. So we need to keep the momentum uh, going here on Capitol Hill. Farmers need to continue to work with their uh, you know, lawmakers back home to, to urge the importance of getting this farm bill done. And with agriculture support, we'll get it over the finish line. Well, we do appreciate the time with that chief economist for Senate Ag Republicans, John Newton, joining us with an update on the farm bill here today. John, Thanks for the time on Agriculture of America. We'll look forward to uh, having a conversation with you again real soon. Thanks so much for being with us. Anytime. Thank you. And again, John Newton, Chief Economist for Senate Ag Republicans, joining us here today on AOA. Today's program brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. And uh, a lot going on there on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. that we're going to be keeping our eyes on. That is for sure. And of course, uh, fall harvest in full swing, too. So we're hoping everyone's staying safe uh, out there across the country as they're getting our crop out of the field. Coming up next, we are going to have a conversation with Wisconsin Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin. Uh, she's watching some rail service issues, and we're going to get an update on a proposed rule from the Surface Transportation Board with her and talk about other things as well. That's coming up next here on AOA Agriculture of America. What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans and if left untreated can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. 
The good news is that if heart valve disease is treated, patients can recover and live long, happy, and productive lives. But in order to treat heart valve disease, you need to know if you have it. If you or your loved ones are over the age of 65, have been treated with radiation to the chest, have been diagnosed with a heart murmur, or have a history of heart disease, it's time to listen to your heart. Ask your doctor today about screening for heart valve disease. A message brought to you by Heart Valve Voice US. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... <laughs> hey, listen. It's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge. But with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we examine how the modern cooperative system solves today's biggest challenges. We'll be talking to CHS experts in farmers and ranchers just like you, and we'll learn how cooperatives apply innovation and technology to help co-op owners get more value every day. Join us Around the Table every Tuesday, or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Corn is native to the American continents and was unknown to the rest of humanity until Columbus arrived in the New World in the 15th century. It took less than 100 years after Columbus's discovery for corn to be introduced to farmers in Asia, Africa, Europe, and the Pacific Islands. After wheat and rice, corn is the third most cultivated crop in the world. The four nations that purchase the most corn from the United States are Mexico and Colombia, who use it as a food ingredient, and Japan and South Korea, who buy it mainly for animal feed. Around one-third of the corn grown in the United States is eaten by livestock, another third is used in the production of ethanol fuel, and the rest is either consumed by humans, exported to other nations, or used industrially. Now that's sweet corn, that's the variety that most Americans grill or boil for cookouts or just eat straight out of a can with a spoon. Accounts for just 1% of all corn grown in the United States. These Farm Facts brought to you by the American Ag Network.
paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free, and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Grant, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to AOA, brought to you by our friends at Cenex and Cenex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oil, oil that runs smart. I don't want to waste any time. Let's get into our next conversation. Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin is with us here on Agriculture of America today. Senator Baldwin, great to uh, talk with you. I hope you're doing well. I am doing well, and it's great to join you. Thanks for the time and a couple things I want to talk to you about real quick. I want to start first. I know you've been at the forefront of uh, trying to help with uh, rail service reliability here across the country. And I know uh, just uh, here this week, the Surface Transportation Board, uh, they have a proposed rule that I know you applauded. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what's going on with the STB and, and how this could potentially help increase rail service reliability? Absolutely. So uh, I have been pushing the Surface Transportation Board for years to do more to increase competition and improve service for shippers. The lack of reliable rail service really disrupts operations of our farmers, our loggers, energy producers and manufacturers, and it leads to higher prices for uh, that are ultimately passed on to consumers. So uh I am very pleased that the Surface Transportation Board is finally proposing a rule that will increase transparency and competition in the freight rail industry. Um, and I'm going to continue to push the board to do more to encourage competition and lower costs for American businesses and consumers. We know on the rail side, we've seen the recent mergers, a lot of the big class one railroads kind of consolidating. I think about the, the CPCN merger here recently, and then you throw in a lot of our short line railroads that can get affected by some of the delays on the class one side. Are you, are you optimistic that uh, some of these rule changes from the STB can move forward in a timely manner and maybe curb some of the issues that we see over there? I, I sure hope so. As I said, I've been pressing for years to get uh, action on this, in particular, uh, reciprocal switching. But I've I've heard for so long from shippers in the state of Wisconsin, the state I represent, about uh, there being no transparency and no reliability and no competition. They're captive to one rail. And that rail can uh, name their price, and they can also uh, uh, be very um, 
unreliable in terms of the service they provide. And that's just not right. There is a common carrier duty that these uh, uh, freight rail lines have, and they need to uh, stick to it. I want to ask you as well about the Protecting Future Farmland Act. I want to switch gears here. You've introduced this uh, with Senator Chuck Grassley from Iowa. Uh, Looking at protecting farmland used for renewable energy developments, can you uh, tell us a little bit more about this piece of legislation and what it would do? Absolutely. I'm proud to sponsor this bipartisan legislation um, because many farmers are choosing to expand clean and renewable energy. And we also need to support uh, their land stewardship efforts to help them protect the farmland that is critical to the future of our rural economies and uh, national food security. So, you know, 83% of new solar projects are being installed on farmland or ranch lands. Um, but there's really right now no federal st- strategy for managing the land beneath these solar panels. One thing that's promising is the possibility of dual use so that uh, we can both be we, having farmers uh, having uh, the ability to produce energy on their land, but also uh, still have uh, grazing operations or, or um, other productive use of that farmland. So this is a real opportunity at a time when we're seeing a lot of uh, solar installations going up. Fantastic. Another piece of legislation, I know we're we're running through things pretty quick here, uh, to support organic farmers and producers. I know this is something that uh, you have uh, introduced as well. And obviously, organic producers, it's a bigger topic of conversation as more organic producers are are kind of uh, coming to the forefront here across the country. Can you talk about this piece of legislation? Yeah, this really recognizes a growing demand for organic foods um, across the country. And as the demand for organic uh, continues to skyrocket, our farmers need support to increase their capacity to grow their businesses, to meet that, uh, that demand. So this legislation would invest in a grant program so that more of our nation's uh, organic businesses can participate. Um, helping grow our agriculture economy and really supporting rural communities. And I, I you know, as a, repre- as, a, as a senator from the state of Wisconsin, where there's a very big uh, organic movement, there's a lot of organic producers, um, the, the, uh, the idea that they could be eligible for grants to help reach new markets or innovate new products or help just grow their businesses, become more efficient. These are, um, you know, these are uh, really hopeful op- opportunities. And I think underneath that, on the organic side, of course, uh, dairy producers, Wisconsin, where you're from, a lot of dairy yeah. folks uh, there that are, are looking for various means of, of support and, and always uh, and help from uh, D.C., isn't there, Senator Baldwin? Yeah, and I think, um, you know, when we look at dairy generally, uh, the ability to be able to innovate to uh, add value uh, because, you know, dairy farmers are facing a lot of headwinds these days and uh, price is variable uh, and, uh, you know, to be able to uh, add efficiency to your operation or to uh, produce, uh, you know, products right on the farm uh, that can add value to your operations, all of these are, are ways to help our farm dairy farms stay in business and get ahead. 
Senator Baldwin, final 30 seconds. Farm Bill, I just wanted to ask you real quick, uh, what's the prospects looking like here to get something done by the end of the year, or are we looking at a one-year extension uh, to carry us through the next year? You know, I keep hearing positive signals from uh, my colleagues on the Ag Committee that by year's end, uh, they'll be able to get the job done. Uh, so I continue to be hopeful for that and uh, and to highlight to those uh, committee members my priorities for the bill. Fantastic. Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin, always appreciate the time. We will talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining us on AOA today. Thank you. Once again, Wisconsin Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin with us here today on AOA. We're out of time. The show brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Everyday products powered locally. That's Cenex. Coming up tomorrow, Jeff Cooper with the Renewable Fuels Association. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800. 800- 209-6416 for 24-hour response call 800-209-6416 800-209-6416 that's 800-209-6416 you are not your diagnosis a medical chart is not your identity and vision loss does not define you Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration. Retinitis pigmentosa. Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We We win. We, we, we We are are the the foundation foundation fighting fighting blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org.